Hey, it's Danielle Renee, and you're listening to the Everyday Christlike Podcast, where we focus on representing Christ each and every day. Be blessed as you listen. Hey, what's up? It's Danielle Renee, and thanks for listening. The Lord has given me something that I feel is going to be a blessing to you as it was uh, to me personally. And so before we get into it, let's just go to him in prayer. Father God, thank you. I love you. I honor you. I respect you, Lord. And I'm asking you to just give me the boldness to speak which, that which you have given me and help me to stay in line with you, Father. I don't want to take creative license. I don't want to say anything that is outside of your leading. I just want to follow you. So Lord, please make yourself known to me and let your anointing be evident as we record this episode. Now, I got online today to do my just own personal devotion. And it said on the site that I use personally, which is BibleStudyTools.com, no plug, I just love them, uh, that the verse of the day was John 13, 34, which says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And I'm sure that they're pulling from kind of this love theme as, as a lot of us are around this time of year. But when I read this, what stood out to me wasn't necessarily the love factor as much as it was the suffering factor. Now, when Christ says, love others as I have loved you, inherent in that statement is this understanding that Christ loved us to the point of death. Christ loved us to the point of the cross. Christ loved us uh, in spite of all the disrespect, the dishonor, the rejection, the betrayal. Christ continued to make himself available to us. He continued to speak the words as he received them from his father. He continued to love us by way of pointing us in the right direction. Uh, even though it cost him something. And that's the kind of love that we're called to do. It's not this like touchy-feely Valentine's Day love, you know, as much as, as much as I love my roses and my candy ladies. It's not really speaking about that surface level. It's talking about love that so desires to see the work of God done in a person's life that they're willing to die to themselves in order to accommodate it, in order to be a part of bringing that to fruition. And this honestly, um, the best illustration that I have for this in my life right now is a friend of mine who's been, who's been married for a very, very long time. And unfortunately throughout that marriage, she's really struggled when, when she shares with her friends or her family, she will openly admit that she feels unloved. She feels judged. She feels belittled, underappreciated. Uh, and at times even disrespected. And she believes in her heart that her husband loves her, but she she really struggles with um, his inability to express that love, especially in light of his freedom to express his grievances. And I don't know if this is resonating with any of you, but 
we've all, as her friends, have watched this from the outside, and and we've seen um, moments in their marriage where her self esteem has has kind of withered under the pressure of it, and we've seen seasons, not all the time, but seasons in the marriage where there's just tremendous heartache. And of course, as her friends, our heart just, it just breaks for her. And and so in one of um, the last conversations that we had just as a group of friends, when we were checking in on her, um, an, another mutual friend made the comment saying, you know, uh, it's been years. I, I just don't think your husband really loves you. And honestly, I don't think he's ever going to love you, at least not the way that you want or the way you deserve to be loved. So why, why do you stay with him? Wouldn't it just, wouldn't it be better for you to be alone? I mean, wouldn't being alone at least be better than this, than, than having this constant, um, turmoil of wanting to be loved yet feeling rejected. So I, why do you stay with him? And, and I think it was something that, you know, even if I'm honest, like we, I think we were all kind of feeling that and thinking that, but, but no one had really shared that yet. We're trying to take our cues from her. And, and I'm, and I'm glad that um, this mutual friend did say something because it gave us a chance to understand her heart and where she was coming from because she said just as matter of fact as can be she said honestly at times i really really wish that i could but this this is what she said you guys she said god has told me he's doing a work in my husband and he says i now have a choice in front of me between pursuing and demanding my own happiness right now or trusting him with my husband's salvation which might be a process And as she shared, she said that God has reminded her over the years that real, authentic love isn't motivated by fear. So she can't base her decision to walk in love on the these questions that kind of vacillate in her mind about well what if he never changes or what if he always stays the same she can't base her decision and her choice to stay in this relationship walking in love uh, based on her fears about the future not the future of if she leaves but the future of what if she stays and I was so blessed because what she was communicating, what you know, as as nicely as she could, was this this word of correction that true, authentic love embraces suffering in the present for the sake of another person's eternal salvation. So as hard as it is. For her, the choice was black and white because God had expressly spoken to her. And I'll never, ever, ever forget it. She said, this were her words. She said, the dissatisfaction that I have in my marriage right now, that is the purchase price for my husband's eternal life. And that is a price I'm willing to pay. Now, let, let me just back up and say this because that's a statement that I pray that in the hard seasons of my life that I can adopt and, and when you make it that black and white, it's an easy choice between choosing the father or choosing ourself. 
And I just want to say this because I, I don't want to have any misconceptions. I am not sharing this story because I think it's some kind of blanket statement that should be applied to every woman in every marriage. That's not at all what I'm saying. Your situation might be and probably is completely different to the one um, that I'm referencing with my friend. And, and, and I understand that. And I want to be sensitive to that. Uh, the point that I'm making is not necessarily about how to navigate marriage. The point I'm making is that in her situation, what God said, what the request that God made was that she would die to herself for this season, for the sake of the gospel for the sake of winning her husband. And to that request, she's trying to walk it out, even though in the here and now, it is tremendously hard. But I praise God that she's so in tune with the leading of the Spirit because the advice that our friend gave, which honestly, we were we were all kind of thinking it, um, that advice, though I'm sure it was coming from a place of love, it was completely off base for what God was saying to her specifically. And so what she was doing was reminding us that the love we're called to, the love that Christ demonstrated, is a love that embraced suffering for the sake of the gospel, a love that willfully dies to itself in order to win another to the Lord. And to this, I think of the story in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus is, is kind of correcting his disciples and he's challenging them to take off these rose-colored glasses and really see the work of discipleship for what it is. And it says in verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, I just want to pause there a second before I read further, because Jesus's response to Peter's rebuke, it gives us insight as to what was really motivating Peter, because Peter's saying, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. It sounds on the surface like Peter is just out of his love for the Lord. He's like, you know, this is never going to happen to you. It sounds like he's, he, he, he doesn't want anything to happen to Jesus. But what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. Beneath the veneer of, of love is the true motivation, which he identifies in verse 23 as human concerns. And so I don't know if Peter was concerned about what it would mean for him personally if Jesus were to suffer and die. It doesn't get into all of that, but we do know that it wasn't just from his heart of love that Peter actually had in mind his own human concerns about it. And so Jesus is saying, listen, what you're saying, as much as you love me, 
as much as you might have good intentions and maybe you're not even aware that uh, you're being motivated from from an ungodly place but as much as all you've got all that going on what you're actually saying is out of alignment with the will of God and therefore you are a stumbling block to me therefore you are working against the kingdom of heaven so get behind me then Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This means whoever wants to be my disciple needs to understand they, they're going to have to embrace suffering as they follow me. And he says in verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever, in other words, whoever prioritizes self-interest over that of others, over that of the will of the Father, they are individuals who undoubtedly are going to lose their life because they're missing it. But to those people who are willing to abandon all else, who are willing to fall in line and in service to the will of God, those are people that will inherit true and everlasting life. And then he reminds us in verse 26, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. I guess I'm just kind of strange, but whenever I read this section of scripture, I envision a, a man trying to take his trying to load his entire storage unit onto the deck of a Titanic. And it's and Jesus is like, yo, what is the point of having all of the comforts and the trinkets that you desire for this journey if at the end of the day you're on a sinking ship anyways? This life is temporary. I heard a quote once that says, this life is like a parenthesis in the stanza of eternity. In other words, it's so quick. It's, it's a fleeting moment. And Jesus is reminding us there will come a day of accountability. There will come a day where you have to stand before God and give an account for whether or not you have lived in service to him. And love is a part of that service. Have we accurately demonstrated the love of Christ? Not just the touchy-feely stuff, not just the kissy, be mine, Valentine's Day stuff, but the true heart that willingly embraces suffering, the dying to our own desires, the dying to our own ideals, the dying to ourself for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of winning others to the gospel. You know, Peter's rebuke to the Lord sounded good. It sounded like it was coming from a place of love, but Jesus strips away all of that and he says, no, it's coming from a place of human concern and that desire to put your own interest above what I'm telling you, Peter, is necessary for me to do. That is out of alignment with the will of God and that is uncharacteristic of a follower of Christ. I was really challenged when I read this this week because um, I'm sure some of you, like me, uh, you hear 
embrace suffering for the sake of the gospel. And it sounds good. It sounds nice. It sounds like like something, you know, you get a little stamp on your Christian card that says, yes, I'm doing that. But really to walk it out, oh my gosh, you guys, it's so challenging. It's so hard. And it requires just, you know, a daily inventory of Father, am, am I following you? Is there any area in my life that I'm, where I'm missing it? Please redirect me. Please bring those things to my awareness because left to our own devices, we will always choose the road of, you know, least opposition. We'll always choose the road that's easiest on us. That's just our flesh nature. And so when I read this, I realize I have spent so long just not sharing the gospel with the same boldness that I ought to, uh, because I didn't want to offend anybody. And, you know, when I really think about it, it's kind of like Peter. I, I, I've done it under this illusion that I'm operating out of a heart of love. And so because of that, I kind of try to patty cake around the truths of God's word instead of just delivering it like it is, as it is written. I, you know, you, you share the, the stuff that is more palatable and you kind of steer away from the stuff that's harder to hear and harder to receive. But what I've come to realize is that, listen, the gospel itself is offensive. I mean, this is light confronting darkness. It inherently is offensive to the mindset that that seeks to or feels entitled to redefine the truth of God's word. And so we really can't shy away from that. And we definitely can't shy away from that under the guise of love because that's the furthest thing from love. When we love somebody, we want to see their dreams and, and, and the passion and the purpose that God has placed in their life come to fruition. But none of that can be done apart from relationship with Christ. So when we love somebody, we have to be willing to speak the truth in love, speak it without reservation and without adaptation, right? And we shouldn't shy away from that because we're not offending people because we just think we're oh so, you know, oh so much better than everybody. No, we want to confront the lie within them that says live however you want to live because you only get to live once. We want to confront the lie that says there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no place of judgment. We want to confront that lie with the truth that says no, 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 no. There is a God in heaven who handcrafted you with a purpose in mind. You are not a mistake. And even though you haven't been perfect, you were still bought with the purchase price of the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And there is a day coming when you and I will have to give an account for ourselves, whether we snubbed our noses in the face of God and the gift of salvation through his son. So while I, just like I'm sure many of you really struggle and don't want to offend anyone, it would be more offensive to see those people that we love heading for disaster and not plead with them to turn around. That's not walking in love. That is not the love that Christ demonstrated. And that's not the love that we're called to demonstrate. I see, I used to think that my hesitancy to be bold in my sharing of the gospel was out of love, but as I've gotten older, I realized that that's not really what it is. It's, it's like Jesus said to Peter, look, you have in mind your human concerns. And, and I realized that for me, that's been my issue all along. 
I, I had this illusion that I didn't want to offend because I was just also trying to prefer my brother and, and trying to walk in love. But really at the root of it, you guys, was my fear of the rejection that would come as a result of their being offended. I was afraid of the fallout. If I speak the truth, if I confront my my brother or my sister or or you know whoever, the people that God has placed in my life, if I confront them with the truth of the gospel and they don't receive it, if they're offended by that because it reveals some something in their own life, what's the fallout of that for me? So my concern wasn't really about loving them. My concern was about preserving my own interests, preserving my own life. And you guys, that's selfishness. And so why am I sharing this? Because whenever the Spirit of God reveals something to, to us like this, for me first, but I'm sure there's, there's a ton of you that identify with this. And whenever the Spirit of God reveals this, we then have a choice to make. Like my friend said, you know, in regard to her marriage, once it's exposed, it really becomes a black and white issue. We have a choice to make. Are we willing to die to ourselves for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to have people possibly be frustrated with us? Are we willing to embrace whatever the fallout of being bold in our evangelism in being bold in confronting darkness with the light that has been entrusted to us, are we willing to count that fallout as the suffering we're called to embrace or are we more concerned about having the trinkets of saving face, the trinkets of our own pride, the trinkets of our own ego stroked? Are we more concerned about that are we willing to die to ourselves for the sake of the gospel? Because if that's the cost of, of the people God has entrusted to us to confront their own beliefs and then enter into relationship to him as his spirit leads, then isn't that cost, isn't that a price worth paying? This is what carrying the same cro cross as Christ looks like. And, and listen, it, it might seem kind of scary or maybe even overwhelming. There's people, maybe you have people in your family that are so anti-God, that are so against these things. Maybe you have friends who you've done life with, you know, alongside of for so long that it feels like, man, I can't, I can't really deviate because then I'm going to look like a hypocrite. Whatever the issue is, it might look scary. But I want to remind you of the promise Jesus himself makes to those who position themselves as followers. In Matthew 28, it says, this, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead and he's, he's giving this, what we call the great commission to his disciples. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus. And he's saying, I'm in charge now. All right. All power has been given to me. And I want you as a disciple, as a follower of Christ, I want you to go. I want you to be active in your attempt to point others to me. 
I want you to make disciples. I want you to, to spread the gospel so that individuals identify with the gospel, represent me in their conduct and their character, and share the gospel with other people. And I want you to teach them to obey me. This is what we're talking about. I want you to do life with them and teach them how to apply my word. And if it seems overwhelming, here's the promise. I'll be with you always. He says, I'm in charge. I've got all power and I'll be with you always. So you don't have to be afraid. You might not know exactly how it's going to get done and you don't have to. The Holy Spirit will lead you and he'll guide you. And the word of God gives us a framework on how to accomplish these things in love. It's so that it's received without arrogance. Listen, it's, it's okay to not have all the answers. <laughs> That's why Jesus sent us a helper, the Holy Spirit. What's not okay is to shrivel up and shrivel back and watch the people that we love go on the, down the road to destruction. Remember the words of John 15, 13. It says, greater love have no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Now I want to challenge you to embrace this season of love, not just with the cutesy little be mine Valentine tradition, but with the passion to share the gospel in love, but without reservation and without adaptation. And listen, if there's any offense in, in doing that, understand that God is doing a work, not just within that individual, but also within you to strengthen you, to mature you beyond the fear of that offense. So allow that offense to do the work of revealing any falsehood and trust the Holy Spirit to complete the work that he begins in you and through you. God bless you. Thank you.